I want to talk to us today about the fear of God. I'm going to give you a good helping of the fear of God here this morning. Are you ready for it? Awesome. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day, Jesus, November 1st, 2020, that this will be a day that we remember, that this will be a day, Lord, where we posture ourselves to once again allow you to have full dominion, full reign over our lives. We bless you, Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Kyle. You're amazing. Kyle, Kyle, who I was told your handle is Kyle Caliente. It is. Look at that. Kyle Caliente. That is just fun right there. I like that. I like that about you, Kyle. Spicy. Woo. And maybe even single. I don't know. Hopefully you are. Otherwise, <laughs> his wife is going to be DMing me. Very upset. Nope. No wife. Hey, girls. Spicy Kyle Caliente. I'm sorry, Kyle. He's never going to play keys again for me. Okay, back to the fear of God. He's now scared of me. <laughs> I'm actually not a scary person. I'm really not. But I easily scare. I am an easy scare. Because I have irrational fears. We won't get into them, but I have them. Um, yes, I'm also very naive. Like, I will fall for any trick or joke you try to play on me. Um, somehow, I don't know how, in middle school, I got a job in a haunted house when Halloween. I know. Worst hire of their life. I mean, they regretted that, regretted that decision. But, you know... Fears. Fears are not always like the level of fear where it's like you read the headline and, you know, you start taking immense doses of vitamin C that sends you to the hospital. That didn't happen to Jake. But um, <clears throat> fear of God. No, but see, sometimes fear, it's sneaky. And I think the fear of man that we are battling here today, it is sneaky because what it does is it tries to find those inconspicuous moments the fear of man, it wants to find the slivers in our hearts and in our minds, and it just kind of seeps in. And you don't see it, you don't necessarily recognize it right away, but it will just occupy whatever little space is there. And over time, it just compounds until one night you're laying in bed and you can't sleep, and it's like one fear, one irrational, fearful thought after the other is just pounding you. And so I want to kind of talk about this angle of fear, because when we talk about the fear of God, we can look at these incredible stories in the Bible, right? Especially, like, throughout the Old Testament. Hello. But I want to go to this story in Galatians, because I'm going to pick on poor Peter, okay? Because we know Peter, he is just, he is a victim to falling for this fear, letting it creep in to his life in different moments, taking his eyes off Jesus, allowing his confidence to fall, and so I want to bring us this story and see how we can learn how to be strengthened in our fear of God and how we are confident through it. So this story I'm going to read to you in Galatians 1, 11 through 14. It's actually Paul writing to the church in Galatians, and he's recapping an account that he had with Peter and Antioch. Now what you need to know about Antioch is that it was first, the church there was first established when um, the Jewish believers, the Jewish Christians, um, fled from Jerusalem after the persecution of Stephen. And they landed in Antioch, and Antioch was like a very diverse city with lots of cultures blending together. And so you now have a mixed bag of Jewish believers and Gentile believers. And Paul and Barnabas were very influential in leading that church, spending time with them, developing it. So when Paul would have originally left Antioch, 
He would have left a congregation that was like fellowshipping together and fully integrated and happy clappy. And then he comes back to Antioch and he returns to discover the old pattern of segregation that has been reintroduced from the behavior of Peter, or shall I rather say as a result of Peter falling victim to this fear. So let's read about it. In Galatians 1.11 it says, but when Cephas, that's Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him, this is Paul speaking, face to his face, because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles, but when they came, he drew back. He separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him. Uh Uh-oh. So that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew... How can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? Now what's happening here is that Peter was in Antioch hanging out at the table table of fellowship with Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians, and they're just all having a good time together. Then up rocks these Orthodox Jews from Jerusalem. Unexpected visitors arrive, and Peter all of a sudden becomes very aware of their opinion of the guests at his table that they would have seen as sinners. So he begins to excuse himself and separate himself from the very people he was probably there to lead and teach. And so we see this fear get stirred up in Peter, and as a result of it, it allows him to act shamefully, acting contrary to his own convictions. And as a result, under the intimidation of this fear being um, had, it reintroduces the very bondage that Christ had died for. All of a sudden, Peter is falling victim to the idea of ritual law versus the gospel of grace. And not only that, Peter being a pillar in this community, all the other uh, Jewish believers follow after him, even Barnabas. So Paul shows up and he's like, hold on, wait a second. This is not how this should be. And he stands up and opposes the popular opinion in that room. He stands up and he shows us what it looks like to identify the fear of man, calling it out in Peter. You feared these men and look what you've done now, Peter. He opposes the fear of man and he stands in the fear of God to fix the solution. And that's what you and I are going to do, church. We're going to stand in the fear of God with confidence and we're going to learn how to do it through the mishaps of Peter. Are you ready? With the fear of God, the first thing we get to have is we hold a confidence through change. Wow, do we need that one. How much change have we endured this year and the coming change to occur? But we can have confidence with the fear of God in our hearts. Galatians 2.12 says that he enjoyed, being Peter, he enjoyed being with the non-Jewish believers who didn't keep the Jewish customs, eating his meals with them, up until the time the Jewish friends of James arrived. See, he's secure, He's in his seat of fellowship. He's hanging out with his brothers and sisters in Christ. And then all of a sudden, there's a shift in attendance, and it alters the atmosphere where he was once comfortable. And now it begins to threaten his confidence in who he was looking to please. 
How many times does unexpected change in your life cause you to question your confidence and now begin to look to different people that you're now trying to please? For Peter, it was about matters of Jew and Gentile and religious customs. The presence of these people from Jerusalem caused him to forget about pleasing the Lord and instead focus on pleasing these new guests. So what about you when it comes to unexpected change? See, change, it's just a moment. It's a momentary option to decide whether our eyes will remain fixed on Jesus or on whatever is changing. See, we see this again. Peter's confidence gets hit, literally, when he's on the water, right, with Jesus. He steps out of the boat. His eyes are on Jesus. He's like, look at me. I'm the man. I'm walking on water. And then the word says that when he saw the wind, when he became consumed with a shift in the circumstance around him, his eyes dropped and he began to sink. And that's what happens to us. We get consumed with the sudden moments, the unexpected change in our lives. And it, you know, we can't always help it. I don't blame Peter actually for being consumed by this giant wave that was about to hit him. But it opens up a door to fear in our lives. And this is where we have to lean into what we walk out our fear of God with. We work it out with the Holy Spirit. So we have to learn to lean into those moments with the Holy Spirit. Allow him to show us where maybe we've cracked open a door to fear so that we can use his ability to shut it right? I mean, when our nation went into sudden lockdown, none of us would have seen that coming. I mean, I still drive down the road every day and see people with masks on, and I'm just like, I actually still can't believe this, you know? And, and I remember when everything was kind of unraveling very quickly for our nation, for our city in particular, we were on spring break. That first week of March, we were up in, big, in a Mammoth, skiing and snowboarding, have a jolly old time, and every day we got closer to that Friday, I was like, oh my goodness, what is happening? And I just began to feel the anxiousness, the anxiety rise. I became so consumed in it. I mean, the door was flung wide open to fear. I was like, is there food in the grocery store? I mean, I'm up in Mammoth. There's like a grocery store the size of my closet up here, you know? Like, do I need to be bringing the toilet paper home from the hotel room? That was like the level of panic we were all in, right? But change, it doesn't always have to be a bad thing. There's good change in our lives, and it still presents the same options to us. I mean, nothing will bring fear into your life like when you go home from the hospital with your new baby. I mean, you're like, are you sure you trust me with this? <laughs> are you sure? You say, you, okay. I mean, I, I, no matter how much you prepare, you prepare nine months to bring that baby home, but you still feel inadequate. I remember with Jake and I, when we had Winston, we finally got discharged from the hospital. <laughs> and yes, we had the car seat in the car, but we hadn't worked out how to adjust the straps or how to actually click it in. So we spent another hour and a half in our hospital room looking at the manual, trying to figure out how to make this thing happen. Luckily, we learned from our mistakes. And when we had Mabel, we had Uncle Tim Schiffsky lock in the baby seat for us ahead of time. So that is good. That's why you have those kind of people in your life. But, you know, good change. It, it's just a moment where it's like, oh, my goodness, we just become completely consumed in the new thing. Maybe it's a new job. Maybe it's a relocation. And, and if we aren't careful, all of a sudden we, we disregard God's viewpoint in the matter. And we become fully consumed on trying to make it happen on our own stride and on our own work and on our own ability. But when we can come back to carrying the fear of God in those moments, what 
what that does is that it aligns uh, his will in, in with our will for these things. God gave you the blessing. He wants to have a say in what you do with it. He wants to help you. He wants to strengthen you, and he wants to give you the path on how to thrive in it. Allow God to be part of the change. Allow his confidence to be the through line because we recall upon his character. When we fear God, what do we remember about God's character? That it's unchanging, that it's unwavering. Malachi 3.6 tells us, I, the Lord, do not change. So if he's enough for your today, then guess what? He's more than adequate for your tomorrow, no matter what you see or don't see coming. Let God be your through line. Amen? With the fear of God, you hold a confidence under pressure. And I just think of that song, under pressure. Anybody? No? Okay, just me? Nobody. Nobody here is helping me out. I'm all alone out there, but I'm believing you are voting, cheering me on. Okay, and voting. Please vote. Okay, with the fear of God, you hold confidence under pressure. Galatians 2.12, it recaps a story like this. When he saw them, he withdrew from his non-Jewish friends and separated himself from them, acting like an Orthodox Jew, fearing and how it would look to them if he ate with non-Jewish believers. See, Peter is a classic example of what it looks like to be fully run by peer pressure. Now, I know we like to think that we have left those days behind us in high school. I mean, the way that peer pressure determined what we wore, where we sat for lunch, you know, what kind of car we chose to buy, all those things. But guess what? It still is here today. How many times do you sit there staring at your phone on Instagram? Should I post it? Should I not? Should I post it? Should I not? I should post it. No, I shouldn't. Why? Not out of a conviction, but out of a fear for man. And these friends, they just rock up to Peter's lunch table, and he sees them coming, and he's like, crap. He's like, okay, let me leave this table. Let me hop over to this table. It's like a classic scene for Mean Girls. But Peter is very much, he is trying to draw his confidence from this crowd right now, from being accepted and included by this crowd. So out of a fear of being judged, he forgoes his convictions that he was just literally standing by. Listen to me, right now in society, there is so much pressure to conform, and, and it's being instigated by the fear of rejection and judgment that we are placating against one another. We have to stop and allow the fear of God to give us confidence under pressure. Because what happens is we become frozen, we become paralyzed, and God wants to unfreeze you. He wants to unstick you so that you can run confidently into your future. Wayne the other day was running in a field. He was just running at the park, running around. He loves to run, and he comes up to us and he goes, Mom, I feel freedom in my heart when I run. <laughs> That's what we're supposed to be feeling. Come on. November 3rd doesn't have to have you like, crap. No, come on, get your sneakers on. We're running into 2021. God's on the throne. Be strong, be courageous. The Lord your God is with you. Don't draw confidence from the crowd. Get it from the Lord. We see this again, do we not with Peter? I mean, gosh, Peter, you are such a good example to us. Denying Christ three times at the crucifixion, right? Under pressure, there he goes, sinking. 
we see Peter, the rock. That's what Jesus called him, the rock. And he falls victim to that slippery slope of apostasy. What's that? It's the abandon of our previous beliefs to embrace opinions that now contradict the truth you once clung to, the truth that once sustained you. Listen, if you find yourself standing on something that is questionable and you're like, how the heck did I get here? That's okay. Just turn to God. Allow the fear of him to enter back into your hearts. Let this Holy Spirit come in. He'll fix it right up. The fear of man pushes us to get caught up more in our perception of self, trying to get the affirmation of man versus pleasing God. See, when we hold the fear of God in our lives, we're called to revere him to hold a reverence towards him. What's reverence? Reverence is to give profound respect to him as our authority figure and to value his word. Now, respect is a big cultural buzzword for us right now. And so I feel the need to call into question our clear lack of respect that we hold towards humanity that is being unveiled in such vicious ways right now. And the way we so casually treat one another, could it serve as an indicator of a greater root cause in the dilution of our healthy and necessary fear and reverence towards our God? I mean, Paul had to step in and call Peter out for the lack of respect in how he treated his fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And so I'm just going to say, when I read the post under Instagram, when I see my next door app and the way that humanity is treating people they don't even know right now, my goodness, it's a disgrace. But as the body of Christ, we sit at the same table of fellowship, no matter what our cultural beliefs and differences are, we sit under the name of Jesus Christ and we get to paint. On November 4th, we get to paint the world a different picture of what it can look like, amen? Paul called him out for his inconsistency of conduct. See, the fear of God, it will give you the confidence under the pressure of man. What can man do to me, right? I will fear the Lord. He is my helper. What can man do to me? Don't lose sight. No matter what, you are on the winning side. We are on the wedding side. Be steadfast in your character. Don't slip on that slope of contrary to your convictions. Stand firm. Be Paul's that unite, not hypocritical Peter's. Amen? Okay, last thing I got for you, church. In the fear of the Lord, we hold confidence for our future. We hold confidence for the future. And I am going to ask the incredible band to come up here and back me in this. In Galatians 2.13, it said this. And so because of Peter's hypocrisy, many other Jewish believers followed suit, refusing to eat with non-Jewish believers. Even Barnabas was led astray by the poor example and condoned this legalistic, hypocritical behavior. This is a clear example of how our actions can lead to others being led astray. And it's just, we have to, it's not just about you, it's about who's watching you, who's following you. We're called to be world changers. We're called to be followers of Christ and disciple people. Who is getting swept up in your fear of man? Come on, let's sweep them up in the confidence that is found in the fear of God. We've all made the wrong turn somewhere, it's okay. We've all gotten caught up in following the wrong bit of advice. 
And see, this battle between Paul and Peter, it's not like a power struggle between the two of them. This is Paul stepping in because he can see the trajectory of these actions that Peter had. He can see the divisiveness against the church. He can see how it's coming against the truth of the gospel of grace. And so he steps in. See, even Barnabas was led astray. And let that just be a comforting thought for us, okay? I mean, Barnabas, he was a guy that stood up for Paul right after Paul's conversion when everyone was scared of him. Barnabas is the guy in the Bible being described as a good man, full of the Holy Spirit of faith. But even he got caught up. He got caught up in what everyone else was doing not even realizing the full implications of his actions. Church, this is not a time to get caught up in what everyone else is doing, but a time to revere God, to trust him in what he is calling you to do. See, one of the biggest deterrents from walking confidently into your future is when we get caught up in what everyone else is doing around us. And when we're stuck and isolated at home, and I mean, all you can do is watch what other people are doing, right? (laughs) But... Let's look what happens to Peter again. See, Peter, at his end moment with Jesus, when Jesus is still on earth, Jesus, you know, after his resurrection, he cooks them breakfast on the beach and has that dialogue with Peter where he's like, Peter, do you love me? Asks the question three times, and Peter's like, yes, Lord. And then Jesus prophesies a really encouraging thing to Peter about how his death will be one of persecution at the name of him, and Peter's like, solid. It's exactly the ending words I want to hear from you. But listen to his response in that moment. In John 21, 20, it says, Then Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. That's John. So when Peter saw him, he asked Jesus, What's going to happen to him? <laughs> and listen to, listen to Jesus' response. He says, If I decided to let him live until I return, what concern is that of yours? You must still keep following me. Come on, that is a word for us here today, church. We can get so concerned about what is he doing? Well, what about that person? What about that? No. Come on, fix your eyes on Jesus. Allow the fear of God to put confidence in your heart that God still has better days ahead for you. God's plan for you is great. God's plan for you is for you. Don't get deterred by what other people are doing. Keep on following him with boldness, with confidence that he has set out for you. Now, I understand that the thought of the future can really trigger fear in us. I understand that, that right now we are questioning what is going to happen to the state of our nation, our city, let alone what are we going to leave for our children to inherit as they grow up in this day and age. And there is so much division and unrest spoken around this idea of the future. But will we be believers like Barnabas? When we allow the presence of other people that we get caught up in what other people are doing, will we be a Barnabas who just naively scoots his chair out from the table of fellowship with others, walks up, leaves, leaves the room? No, my friends, don't walk away from your seat of fellowship in the body of Christ. Don't walk away from the promise that is there. Don't walk away from your godly convictions. Not now, not in this hour. Do you truly have your confidence residing in the fear of God? Or is it stemming from what man can do, or what man's threatening to do? Because this is what I've learned in this year. The thoughts of doubts, worries, concerns, they're going to come 
You can't prevent it. We're not in a foolproof bubble, okay? They're gonna come. And in fact, dare I say, they might exponentially increase as we close out this year. But what we choose to do with them makes all the difference. Will you surrender them to God? Will you place them at his feet and give him authority? In Proverbs 19:23, it says, the fear of the Lord leads to life, life. And whoever has it rests satisfied. He will not be visited by harm. That is God's promise to you. See, at the end of the day, we can try to control what we hear. We can kind of try to control what we see, but you have absolute control over what you choose to believe right now in this time. And when we choose to fear God, we are promised to rest satisfied. Now, the thing about a state of rest and a state of being satisfied is that they are the best conduits to begin to dream again for your future, to begin to hope again for your future. These are the places where you begin to hear the voice of God again and you feel the prompting of his hand upon your life. God desires his trust. God desires you to find peace because that is where you can have the courage to dream. God sized dream. Don't let the fear of man put a lid on your future. There is a generation that is dependent on the God sized dreams. You are brave enough to dream here today. In a world of uncertainty, the most certain thing we can give as an inheritance to the next generation is a healthy dose of the fear of God. Even if the world gets darker, our children have a bright future. When we give them the refuge that is promised to them in the fear of God, I feel the Holy Spirit in this moment to tell you, He has secured a safe passageway for you. Don't let what you've sacrificed through the debris of the storm deter you from your posture. What you are mourning that has been lost here today, God's turning it into joy. There is a new day arising. There is hope on the horizon. Come on. Allow the fear of God to interject in your life here today. There is freedom, freedom in this place. Holy Spirit, I declare every man, woman, and child to be set free from the fear of man. I thank you, Lord, that our confidence is in you, that you are setting our feet on a path of righteousness, that we are unwavering. We are set fast because your love, your goodness, your faithfulness endures forever. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. We get to do it differently. Greater the days ahead, church. Greater the days ahead. There's freedom. You're running free into that future here today. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you, church.